just said to me, you know, we have our sermon planned here, but she just said to me, I feel like the Lord's putting something on my heart. I said, well, why don't you share that first? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm just going to ask the worship team just to come back up and play one chorus for me one more time for us. Heart of worship, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. When I stood there and listened to just the voice, when everything's peeled away, hear the voices of people. Can't hear. When everything's stripped away, you hear the voices of people, and I could hear you singing behind me, coming back to the heart of worship. And I want to just take you into the thought that the Holy Spirit brings to my heart, because it, it undoes me in that moment. My heart starts beating so fast. And I'm going to ask that we just sing it again and then we go into the sermon because the Holy Spirit wants to soften our rough edges and pull out all the chatter. And as I'm hearing your voices, I'm taken back to the moment when the Lord shared a cup with his 12 disciples. And he said, I'm not going to drink it again until I drink it with you in the kingdom of heaven. And he shared that last dinner with them. In less than 24 hours, he would be hanging on that cross. But at the end of that, he said, it's time to go. And they sang a hymn. They sang a hymn. Twelve men just around the table, a cappella. Can you imagine what they would have sang with their best friend, Jesus not knowing what was about to happen. And Jesus being there, knowing that he was going to go there, but he wanted to sing with his, his best friends around the table, a cappella. And so when we sing this discourse again, if you could just imagine sitting at that table with me, with him, that the heart of worship and our Lord Jesus Christ would again sit at our table, that we would that we would sit with him. So go ahead, Jason. Let's just sing it, just stay seated. And then we'll move right into his words upon our thirsty hearts. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I want to read to you from Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Jeremiah 2, verse 13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, 
God talking to his people. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, <coughs> broken cisterns that can't hold water. How many of you have ever had one of those cars that's just absolutely amazing? It's your pride and your joy. Anyone? Anyone just me? <laughs> I had this amazing vehicle. It was a Ford Windstar minivan that was white. <laughs> I don't know why it It's the kind of car they put on top gear. It's like this white Ford Windstar minivan. It had like this um, hydraulic lift on the back, so if you put weight on the back, you could like jack it up. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> I lent out this vehicle. I lent it out to a good friend of mine, and she was driving down the highway, and I guess as she was driving down the highway, one of the plugs fell out of the radiator, and all the water drained out on the highway. And in a matter of seconds, I wasn't in the vehicle, but in a matter of seconds, without water, vehicle overheated completely. It was running with no coolant, it was running with no water, and it just seized up, it just stopped working. And you know, we're created no differently than cars in some ways. Like uh, a car can't run without coolant. A car can't run without water. And, and the same way, that's what happens to us when we're dry. We're not meant to run dry. We can't run without water. Ron was talking about you can go three, three days without water. But, but really, we try to go longer than that, don't we? This week we were going through the Bible in one year and we've been going through our Old Testament, New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs reading and this one verse stuck out to me. This one verse that I read and I'm going to read it again. This is God speaking to us this morning. He said, my people have committed two sins. One, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. We're not meant to function without him. We're not meant to function without His Spirit. And they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And I, I want to say that there's two mistakes that we make in our relationship with God. One is forgetting about Him. Forgetting about the source. Not walking daily in, in the source of living water that He is in our, our spiritual lives. The well that never runs dry. But there's a second mistake. And that second mistake is digging broken cisterns. Digging our own sort of wells that don't even have the ability to hold water. Uh, many of you know that, that I had COVID recently. Uh, I'm, I'm recovered, so you're all worried in case you saw me I'm all through my quarantine period everything like that I'm all good but during it I had a dry mouth like sort of dry mouth I don't know if you've ever had that sort of dry mouth where you drink water and you drink water and you drink water but it doesn't really doesn't really satisfy your thirst and you have the, the kind of thirst where my tongue would stick to the to the roof of my mouth and I know that in this room, some of us are feeling that way spiritually this morning. Maybe spiritually dry. Maybe needing something from God. The Lord will always use physical, and now he's the best teacher ever. 
ever. Creator slash teacher slash friend to us. Let me teach you. Water and light, there's nothing like it. Powerful, priceless. He wants to remind us of that. The first day he said, let there be light. The second day he separated the waters, put this expanse between them, a vault, and called it sky. Symbolic? Absolutely. Those two, light and water, are in paradise, in heaven. You see it all through Revelation. Why? Life comes from them. So let's look higher level for a minute just at, at the planet that the Lord's chosen to put us on. Ron said a few things, but just to remind you that the most important liquid to the world, without water, we would have no life. The abundance of water on the Earth's surface is a unique feature that distinguishes us as a blue planet. Liquid water is not known to exist on any other of the planet's surface. And as Ron said, water makes up three quarters of our bodies. So as I'm thinking about the priceless nature of water and where we are, you know, I always like a fresh current, like discern our times. And we've been traveling through North America. These are a few things that I see. Bear with me. We have 3,200 types of watered, wa bottled water. 3,200 types from 130 different countries. Well, 1 billion people don't have access to clean water. Hmm. It rains this week really, really severely, and everyone's frustrated. Well, I was. I'll take. Not everyone in the room. Because, you know why? I know there's some farmers in here. And I know that there's a priceless nature to the rains that are necessary. And this appreciation for water that somehow maybe we've become a dry society. Maybe, maybe in Canada, maybe in North America in general. So much so that California, and, and we went through areas where there's serious drought happening and lakes that once existed aren't there and you realize at the restaurant that the mother's teaching the child that you don't just get water served at every station you have to ask for it and then when she has it what's half left she teaches her young girl to water the plant outside the patio of the restaurant so that they don't waste wow and so I come back fresh from this into the smoky scene of Kelowna, do you wonder maybe our masks and the smoke and everything else? And yeah, some of you in Glen Rosa were even evacuated from the fire, some of you untouched by it, but all of us were affected by the smoke. And so when I go for my run, it's a lot different breathing this stuff in. So the pulse check to me says perhaps our society, when it gets extra dry and desert-like, and somewhat unforgiving and cruel and grueling and divided that our souls tend to need a little extra thirst, a little extra refreshment to try to get through some dry times. I think Jeremiah here is speaking something directly to us this morning. Jeremiah talks about digging their own sister trying to go to their own place to, to meet that spiritual thirst. And if I were to just modernize it a little bit, what are the cisterns 
that we go to to quench our spiritual thirst because all of us have this spiritual thirst we see it happening some people go to heavy drinking you know they they try to quench the spiritual thirst they have in in alcohol or drugs some people go to pornography you know it might satiate you just for a short time but it only satiates for a short time it doesn't really quench the spiritual hunger that you truly have. And there's these obvious red warning lights that happen in our spiritual lives when we get caught up in, in some of the sinful habits. But, but sinful habits aren't the only broken cisterns that we have. Sometimes we run towards sin, but sometimes we go to other things that aren't necessarily sinful, but also don't quench our spiritual thirst. Sometimes people go to busyness, you know, just checking their emails over and over again, you know, just always being busy and, and being productive, and they, they fight their emptiness and their spiritual thirst with busyness. Or for some of us, it's hanging out with friends. We need something, and we, we go to our friends hoping to get what we need, but, we, but they don't actually satisfy that spiritual thirst we have. And you know especially what doesn't satisfy our spiritual thirst? Social media. Social media doesn't. Facebook doesn't. In fact, we're seeing more and more of the studies that are coming up showing how harmful social media can be, especially to our younger generation, making people feel completely unsatisfied with the lives that they're living because they think that other people are living much greater lives than what they are, even though it's just a facade, even though it's just a projection and it's not real life. Or maybe some people run to food or to shopping or to Netflix. That's my own broken sister that I run to. But there's this emptiness that forms in us when we run to those cisterns. Because what happens is we, we go more and more to them, believing more and more that maybe they're going to meet the real need that we have in our, in our souls, but, but they're incapable of, of meeting that need that we have. It's like cotton candy. You can eat as much as you want and it tastes good, but it really doesn't have any nutritional value. It won't satisfy you. It doesn't have any substance. In fact, these cisterns that we go to in our lives, they, they do two things. One, they fail to quench our spiritual thirst. But even more than that, the second thing they do is they dull our hunger for the Father. They dull our hunger for God. They dull our desire to be with Him. Thirst in itself isn't a bad thing. It's like pain to the body. It's a mechanism to, to teach us, to, to tell us something, a, a red alert almost. It's one of the most essential supports of life, is to have thirst. There's no reasoning with it, no forgetting, no despising it. it there's no overcoming your thirst by indifference. Thirst will be heard. Your whole body will yield to its power. So also is the soul. I don't think we, 
we shine that in the light of his presence. Psalm 36, verse 9 says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. And there's this aspect of the Garden of Eden that the tree of life was to be taken from constantly. There's a joy that the Lord wanted his people to eat and, and, and enjoy. And come. But when sin entered, that, that was shut. The same as in paradise, there's this come and drink of the water of life that flows from the throne. There's this joy that's to, to come from immersing and refreshing yourself. The psalmist David says, I shall see, Psalm 63, verse 1, I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And as we think on the human soul and the thirst that it has, that our soul can drink, he says, my soul thirsts for the living God, and where can I go to meet with my God? And the Lord has created us with purpose that we would find that refreshment in him. And you might say, well, can you help me see that in Jesus? I want to show you the power of thirst. Because Jesus himself would never complain about things physically. But there's one time, at the very end of his life, when his soul is being poured out unto death. After he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he takes the place of all of us. And the absence of relationship with the living God is turned away. And the son will take our place and say, first time Jesus was spiritually thirsty when he was on the cross. Because he always had that life-giving relationship with the Father until until he took our thirst on himself, right? Until he took our thirstiness and suddenly he's, he's expressing what's true in our own lives but, but he also expressed that he was the answer to our thirst. You know, this week was a feast of booze, and it ended on Monday, and it's basically where all the Israelites, all the Jewish people, they build temporary shelters, and they all come together in temporary shelters, and they commemorate the time when they were going through the desert, and how God had liberated them from Egypt, and, and how God had provided water in the desert. He made water come out of a rock, and, and so they have this time of celebration in Israel, and it's at the end of that that Jesus says something. John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, he says this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures have said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And Jesus is saying to the people here, he's saying, I'm the answer. He's saying, if you're thirsty, I want you to come to me. And I know that some of you today might even 
feel a little, that's nice, Roger. You know, you might feel a little hardness in your heart. You might feel like I've, I've tried some of those spiritual things and they, they haven't given me what I needed. And I want to say that our God is able to take even those rocky places in our heart and he's able to make water flow even from those rocks, just like he did for the Israelites when they were going through the desert. Amen. He can hit a rock and say, water come forth. He's able to take even those rocky places in our souls. You know, it's interesting here. We see all three parts of the of the Trinity, all three parts of the Godhead. And Jeremiah the Father says, I am the spring of living water. Here at this feast, at this festival, Jesus says, come to me and drink. But then it also says he was referring to the Holy Spirit, right? He was referring to a time when God's people would receive the Spirit. And they would have this well that would well up inside them, this access to, to water, this access to, to the answer for their spiritual thirst. And so as some of you are like, are we going back to the ancient days of Jewish celebration? And why is Carrie all so about Israel? Israel is a living miracle that Amen. we are witnessing. Amen. 1948 that a nation came together can you imagine in 1942 if i said to some of the jewish people and during the holocaust and everything, you're gonna have a country back and you're gonna have people yeah whatever carrie you know like no that's part not only that had they been given a desert area and they're leading the world in water resources right now. Here's a couple of facts for you. They're recycling. I, I've seen it four Carrie times. Always has to talk about yes, I do. Because, because we're, we're Go moving. Ahead, Go no, just give me one minute. Just give me one minute. Just give me one minute. Let me just be a, a travel tourist, a tour guide for a moment. Yeah. They recycle their water five times over. Okay? Because they're coming from a place of survival. <clears throat> rather than security. They have an appreciation for water. Let me, let me just tie this in for, for one minute. But, but because in a short amount of time, with 9 million people on a place at the size of New Jersey, there's got to be something to be said about, okay, what is God doing <coughs> there? And the resource that they have in water specifically is, according to the Global Water Intelligence, Israel's water economy is fourth in the world, the best in the world in water efficiency, thanks to their annual water depreciation of less than 3%. And by 2050, 40% of their water in Israel will be desalinated. I say this because the Feast of Tabernacles, let me weave this in now. Feast of Tabernacles that we talked about was a celebration for seven days to come around. And on the seventh day, they would celebrate water. They would pour the water. The high priest would go to the pool of Siloam, which has one Gaian spring that King David planted outside Jerusalem. Intermittent spring, one of the most ancient world springs, still available, amazing. Outside Jerusalem, feeding the whole city, yes. And then he goes to the pool of Siloam in a golden pitcher, and he comes and he pours it over the altar on the seventh day. When that is happening, Jesus enters the temple. Now let's put it into context here because I had a hard day on the greatest day. So let me weave it through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
for seven days, we had some of you celebrating in tents on the east side and on the west side. It's beautiful celebration and joy. Jesus entered that festival. You can read in John 7, 1. You know how? His brother said to him, I don't believe in you. His own family didn't believe in him. Aren't you going to the festival? Bro? Like, why are you doing all your miracles in private? You might as well go do them in public so, so you can be a big hero. Time is not for me, Jesus said. And then he went privately halfway through the festival. Why? Because the authorities wanted to kill him and arrest him. Him, the living water. And so when he enters the scene, do you think that journey would be a little isolated? Pulse check. Do you feel like you might feel a little alone, a little abandoned by your family? This, like this happened same time thousands of years ago. Do you get into an institution that, that seems like there's governing officers and soldiers out that want to arrest you for, for what? What did he do? He comes in and he's so overwhelmed. He stands up and in a loud voice, he says, I'm the living water. Come to me and drink and you'll never thirst again. And the officers go back into the Pharisees. Didn't you arrest him? disarming everything that was coming at him and said, I'm the living water. And in that moment when I just allowed myself the Holy Spirit's ministry to say, Lord, you understand where we are. You understand where I am right now. This beautiful sunset appears over the mountains. It was so cloudy and I took a picture of it. And I'm like, oh, the glory of God. I'm like, just opening just a little peek, Gary, just a little, just let me show off you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, living water, a little living water. You think I'm crazy. That kept me going to be right here. Wasn't the only time Jesus spoke about being the living water. In fact, there was this one time where he meets this woman, and I know this is a familiar story. He meets a woman at a well. John 4, let me read it for you, starting at verse 13. Jesus answered, he said to this woman, 
Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I won't be thirsty and I won't have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. Have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. You see her broken sister? Her broken sister was running to men. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, the time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. See, this woman had a spiritual thirst. She also had her broken sister. She also had her places that she was going to try to meet that spiritual thirst. And Jesus, out of his love, wouldn't leave her trying to drink from her broken sister, right? He wouldn't leave her in that place of, of, of drinking and drinking. She had five husbands and now she had another man. He wouldn't leave her in that place because he knew that that was never going to satisfy her spiritual thirst. And what he says is, I need to be your living water. She was trying to fill that need in her life when the only person who could fill it was Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus entered her sphere, enemy territory. They were enemies. The disciples didn't want to go there. We try to put rules around Jesus and, and contain where he can go. He's going to go where he wants to go. He goes beyond every border to the marginalized, on the margins. Not only were the enemies, she was a woman. They never spoke to women, Samaritan women. She's poor. He's breaking all cultural barriers, sexual barriers in gender. And he's reaching and he says simply to her, will you give me a drink? As I was thinking about our Lord meeting her and our Lord also meeting in the temple this is what I see I see the Lord standing in his house of prayer a temple institution that he put that was maybe a den of robbers and and 
divisions all around, but the elite and the noble and the ones that knew Jesus. But here he is in their midst saying, I am, and they miss him. And they want to arrest him, and government are putting in rules, but nobody can touch him. Jesus doesn't need our defense. He stands alone, defending himself and his name. But what he'd like is for us to get on his program with him. I am. I'm with you. I've got you. I love you. I'll defend you. I'm the defender. I'm the provider. I'm the, I'm the God of all gods. I desire to provide and protect you. And then he moves over to this sphere with this outcast, the poor, the unlovely, the jaded. He begins a discussion with her. And he sees her. And so when she's intrigued, it says, give me the living water. You know what he wants? Because I think we all want to say, like, Lord, will you give me that living water again? Will you refresh my soul? He wants the truth. And he's so loving, not shaming, not condemning. He says, go and get your husband and come back. And in that moment, what he's doing is going for the root. Like, just bring it all out to me. Because you know what? I have good news for the poor. What is that? I want to heal your broken hearts. I have good news. Guess what? It's me. I want to set the oppressed free. I want you to stop coming in the same way all the time, thinking things are hopeless and looking at the world that's broken and hopeless and dry and desert because you're supposed to be in it but not of it. I need you to come to me. I need you to let go. And what does she do? She drops that water jar. That thing that provided, that thing that gave her provision has no need anymore because in that moment, Jesus chooses not to get in a debate about how we are to worship on this mountain or in this theater or this way or no you're all going to be able to worship me how in spirit and in truth in spirit and in truth in the theater in west bank when a land is crying out through truth and reconciliation, you know what we need? We need spirit and truth worshipers that begin to call on the Lord that he would begin to heal. And But how does it start? That whole, don't dismiss me, that whole village is transformed by one woman that says, I'm Adam. I'm nourished. I mean, he always saw me, but I see him. I, the one who am speaking to you, am he. And for the first time, the Lord Jesus Christ reveals himself to the least likely woman that he is the Messiah. And she goes back and brings in the town, and what does she say to them? Come, come, come and see. Come and see. 
And so this past week when Suzanne opened up her home and she had people over for six days, she said, Gary, all I said was, come. Come, and they just kept coming, come. I said, those aren't your words, that's, that's the Holy Spirit saying, come, come. There's this act of, of coming. When we sat around as leaders, it wasn't just through one of us. Lord, how do you want to be worshipped today? It's not about us. It's not about temple, mountains. It's about spirit and truth. And it's through a bunch of us that the Lord said, peel it all back. It's simple. It's simple. And at the same time, it's coming through two different people. Part of worship needs to be simple. Some of you this week representing ministries in our city, just standing with one musician in a time of worship, two spirit-filled women on either side, and a man in the middle begins to sense the Holy Spirit. This week. And so I say to you, do you think the timing's by accident when one of my elder, wise elder, stands up and we're debating about whether we should be in the theater. And he says, we are going to stay in the theater because that's where the Lord's placed us right now. And why do I think that's significant? Because the Lord chose a couple years ago to pour out his spirit despite distractions in the theater. Not once, but again, your witnesses we're on First Nations land. In a public arena, from the least likely to the most dignified, all of us together, and the Lord's saying, come together now, around me. Come, if you're thirsty, and drink of me. So as we, we move into a time of ministry and prayer, I want to encourage you with a couple things. One is, Jesus is safe. There's no shaming, there's no condemning, you know why? That woman wouldn't have gone back into a judging, mistreating, isolating village to bring them all back had he not spoken love and grace peace over the woman saying I know and so as you come today would you just come with that spirit of truth that might bring to the surface and say hey can you let me have some of those old cisterns can you just exchange them can you just leave them here and maybe for the first time again you step into the place <coughs> of Lord I want to drink of you again I'm going to turn the recording off. There's no recording. The Lord tells me that this morning. Turn that off. And we're going to pray. And we're going to move into a time of ministry. And that you would just be obedient, each of us together, because never have we needed each other than we do right now. The body needs, that, that water needs to flow through the body as a unit. As a unit. We're all thirsty. And we desire to be refreshed in a dry and thirsty land. we're here for this morning.
Jesus invited one woman to come and drink. You're here today not to hear Carrie and not to hear me. You're here to be with Almighty God. You're here to get the living water. So we're going to, as Carrie said, move into a time of, of worship and ministry and communion. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. They can start playing even now. And as they do, I want to invite you to respond in however you need to respond. If you need prayer this morning, just come up over here to this side. We have elders and people who are going to pray with you and just pray for you. If you're just feeling dry and you just feel like I need someone to, to pray with me, or if you have a sister and you just want to release out of your life and you want to replace it with the presence of Jesus, just come do that. If you want to take communion, we have two sets of communion on uh, either side of the stairs and, and there's a little wafer in the top of the cup their individual portion for each of you can just grab one in the top little peel there's a wafer and then you can open it up and celebrate the Lord's Supper just respond with how you feel you need Jesus this morning let me pray so Jesus we come to you this morning we come to you because you're the living water come to you because you're the source of everything that we need. Come to you because we've tried other things and they aren't able to satisfy the deepest needs that we have. Come to you also confessing that we haven't come enough. That we haven't sought you enough. And yet you're so loved so gracious, so kind that you need us every time we come. Every time we come, that's the deal. That's the deal. Spirit and God, say come. All who hears, say come. All who are thirsty, Thank you. 